Welcome to the All In Podcast, where we dive into the mindset, habits, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. This week is a solo episode, and I'm also recording it for YouTube, so if you prefer to watch videos, make sure to check out my channel, and you'll see some videos of behind the scenes at the New York City Marathon. So this week, I am going to be talking all about my experience at the New York City Marathon, how my training was, how it came to be, and what's next. So let's dive in. months ago most of my runs were under five kilometers and one week ago I ran 42.2 at the New York City Marathon. Here's how it all started, how the training went, how the experience in New York was, and what's next. Okay first let's talk about how it all came to be because you're probably thinking Natalie you're a CrossFit athlete. How did you get into all of a sudden doing the biggest marathon in the world? So I guess it was in the summer it was a little bit over three months ago I got an email and it was an agency representing a premium beer brand and they were talking about creating running content. Now I was obviously intrigued. I had had my series about not a runner and challenging that limiting belief with running. Last year I did a challenge where I was running every day and then I was working towards this year a sub six minute mile with a 300 plus pound back squat. I had gotten the 315 pound back squat so I was working a little bit more on the running side of things and especially with being my off season in CrossFit coming back from my shoulder injury I was definitely doing a lot more running and trying to improve on that because it was just something that's been a weakness of mine for a long time. So I guess they probably had seen some of that content. They reached out to me. I reached back out and in their next email, they basically said, you know, we are representing Michelob Ultra and we have the opportunity to send someone from Canada down to the New York City Marathon. And at first I was kind of stunned. I was like, I don't know if I can run a marathon, but you know, this seems like a crazy opportunity. I'll hop on the call. So I hopped on the call and I definitely you know, got really excited about the opportunity, about what they had planned for, you know, the storytelling of the content, of documenting my training, um, and just the unique challenge of the whole thing, and especially learning about how big the New York City Marathon was and what a crazy experience it would be. Um, it's also Michelob Ultra is one of the brands that pledged a massive amount of dollars towards women's sports last year. They're doing a lot for equality in the sports space and in the running space. So they're definitely a brand that I was proud to represent. Now, I didn't say yes right away. I did take some time to think about it. I texted some friends. I texted some training partners. What was really holding me back at first was knowing, you know, with my hopeful comeback to CrossFit competition post-shoulder injury, would it be possible to, you know, dedicate 12 weeks of the year to running training? And knowing just my background in sports and being someone who's, it's very, it's much easier for me to build strength, maintain strength, build power, speed, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to endurance, that's typically been a weakness of mine. So I thought I could treat this kind of like an off season where a lot of other CrossFit athletes are focusing on their strength numbers and kind of sacrificing some of their Metcons and actual workout performance. I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on my endurance and just build that zone to endurance. And when I kind of made my running training program I looked at that I looked at it in that way as like okay I'm going to do these mostly lower heart rate runs I'm not going to do too much speed threshold work because pretty much all my runs were shorter track workouts that were all speed threshold work before that so yeah basically I was like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity I think I just I like I have to do this and so I said yes and basically committed to creating the plan to to make this happen also if I'm speaking fast one that's just who I am two I made the crazy decision to record this outside 
on a half-built deck and it's cold. Okay, so one of my best friends had just finished the Ottawa Half Marathon and she sent me some training programs when I asked her if she thought I could run a marathon in three months. And she basically sent me like this really, really beginner training program. It's just free online. Um, I'll try to link it if I can find it. And what I did was I downloaded it. Then I looked at kind of some of my different training goals, like things I need to work on with upper body skill work, um, you know, how maybe I could still incorporate some of my lifting and basically made an Excel spreadsheet planning out, you know, my runs for the last, the next 12 weeks. Now, the problem was this training program was more like, you know, a four or five month training program, um, actually probably a little bit longer than that. Um, and so I only had, right, like 12 weeks. So I basically had to look at the overall training program and restructure it to have me, you know, peaking at the right time, still have that two-ish, three weeks taper right before, or that two-ish week taper right before the marathon and still accumulate that volume, right? Like my longer runs were still only like five kilometers and suddenly I had to build up to a long run of 33 kilometers in within, that was only within like 10 weeks because then you want to taper off and get your body in peak condition, you know, rested um, and ready to, to crush the marathon. So one of my biggest concerns, it was getting injured. Obviously it's not recommended to increase your training volume of a specific movement or especially with running um, that fast. So that was why also I focused on more that zone to work. I knew, okay, I'm not going to really, you know, all of a sudden become a way faster runner before this marathon. What I need to do is get my body ready to actually handle the volume of running that much. So I really focused on making sure I hit all those longer runs and just doing it at a pace that was sustainable, something that I knew I probably could hold for the marathon and not pushing it too hard because that's when you do risk injury. Now before that, because I was training with the goal of running a sub six minute mile and then squatting over 300 pounds in the same day and like I said I had hit a 315 pound back squat before that there's a video on that on my YouTube channel um I was used to doing run training and endurance work right before my heavy lifting. Actually, I was pretty much exclusively doing that, knowing that it wasn't necessarily prioritizing my strength gains, but I was prioritizing that stimulus of, you know, getting used to the concurrent training, the hybrid training. Now with this running, what I went in and a mistake I went in with was thinking maybe I could still do that with some of those longer runs, but as those runs got longer and longer, oh, and thank God the sun is coming out, that's nice. As those runs got longer and longer, I was not able to really be in peak lifting condition afterwards, right? You know, there's just different ways that your muscles and your body reacts. I won't go like deep into the science, of course, um, when you're doing those longer aerobic runs versus, you know, the way that you need to be a little bit tighter, more explosive when you're going to do some of the heavier lifts. So I did have to spread out a lot of those sessions, really be smart about my training. And especially because I did have a goal of, you know, giving my all to this marathon training, I did prioritize that in the sense that when I did those long runs, I usually took the day off to rest, recover, let my body adapt to the running rather than, you know, trying to push it and also do a lifting session and maybe not make optimal adaptations in either. On days I had shorter runs where I was just like going to the track, those are days I would also go to the gym because I was pretty used to doing stuff like that. Now, one of the biggest realizations I made while running was just how stiff you actually get. When you look at the gait of running, you know, your movement is not large. You're not moving 
through a huge range of motion like you do in the sport of CrossFit, like you do when you're doing Olympic weightlifting or when you're doing squatting and things like that. So I really had to start doing more mobility work. And even now, post-marathon, I am feeling pretty stiff, not that mobile. If you ask me to do a pistol squat right now, oof, I'm going to need a lot of warm-up. So that's something I'm really focusing on, you know, post-marathon as I get back into CrossFit training is opening up my range of motion again, despite the fact that I really did try to, to keep that range of, range of motion and um, keep mobile throughout the training. I definitely sympathize with, you know, triathletes and runners who then come to the sport of CrossFit and they struggle with, you know, getting deep into a squat with overhead mobility, things like that, because it is, you know, a sport where you're doing maybe 180 steps per minute in this small little range of motion. So my hips were getting really tight. Um, even my biceps on long runs, they would get super stiff and tight. You'd have to shake them out. Um, my ankles, especially, and my feet. And we'll talk more about some of those things that aches and pains I had going into the marathon a little bit later. So one thing I really enjoyed during the process was trail runs. I actually really learned to enjoy trail runs. I think that's something that I'll stick with in my training is, you know, going out with friends, going on the trail, something at a conversational pace you're enjoying the views even I would listen to like Rufus to Soul in my headphones and go by myself put on sunglasses so it was a little bit dark and you're kind of like you know trying to figure out where your next step is you're really you know focusing you're not completely tuned out like when you're running on pavement or an open road and I got into like a whole other world on some of those long trail runs so that's how my training started I started running on the trails until I had some friends who recommended that since a marathon would be on the roads I should probably get used to the impact of the pavement so when I got to about the half marathon length of, of distance for my in, in my training, running training, that's when I switched to pretty much running exclusively on pavement or there's a community trail right near here that's all like hard packed gravel. Sometimes I would run on that as well. That's actually where I did my 100 kilometer ski challenge. And so running long distance on that actually brought back some rough memories of that crazy endurance challenge. But it also powered me through knowing, you know, okay, I'm running 26 kilometers on this trail. I've done 100 kilometers on this trail before, so it's all good. I can make it through. Another thing I've talked about in past YouTube videos, um, and it's also a reason why with my podcast, I took a little bit of a break from August till I guess November, was that my grandpa passed away at the end of August. And I learned that pretty much around the same time that this marathon opportunity came up. And that was another factor in me deciding, you know, was I going to do this or not? Was I obviously, you know, I, I actually, this is the first time I've lost a grandparent and I didn't know, you know, how I would feel, how I'd react. It was obviously a really emotional, um, we knew that he had like a month left when I first committed to this. And, uh, it was just really hard for my family. There was a lot of family commitments and managing, any sort of training and just continuing on with regular life while dealing with that was was really difficult. Um, but in other ways, you know, running was definitely something that helped me tune out and just be by myself on the trails and on the roads. And I think that really helped me a little bit with with coping through throughout it. And, um, you know, my grandma, she messaged me even when I was at the marathon just to how proud they both like she <laughs> he would have been. Um, so, yeah. That's that's something that definitely played a factor into into the training and um, yeah definitely thinking of him pushed me through um, when it came to the marathon. So another thing that happened was um, in September I ended up traveling quite a bit. Um, I had one kind of more fun trip where I went to Orlando and it was so hot and humid I really did not want to run uh, and especially thinking that the New York Marathon would have been really cold I was like is just training in this heat while I'm here for a few days really that worth it? So I did do like a shorter five kilometer run and I did another five kilometer run inside the hotel like on in a treadmill um, and that was fine. 
So I got my runs in there, um, but no long runs. <laughs> that would have been brutal. And it's there's not really the best paths and stuff to run there. And then went to a Washington Spirits game, NWSL game. That was awesome. My first un NWSL experience um, on the way home and then made it home. So that week, I kind of didn't get as many long runs, had to kind of try to make up for it in those few days when I was back home. But with all the walking I did on that trip, my feet were really sore and I was kind of getting worried about managing those injuries. So I've broken my ankle snowboarding. I've had my other ankle sprain snowboarding. I still have a bone chip in one ankle that I never got surgery on. My feet, um, they have a lot of issues. I actually actually exploded my heel fat pad snowboarding before. That was like a year long recovery process during my snowboard career. And that causes me to get like some plantar fascia uh, issues on that foot when I'm doing a lot of high, imp high impact activities. It's getting a little windy here, so I'm getting a little cold. So if you hear my voice breaking, that is why. But yeah, so that was something I really had to manage too, was just my joints issues um, going into uh, some of the training. So that was a really hard month because I had a few days at home and then basically I left for, I think it was 10 days to Europe. Now that was partially a work trip. And then at the end, there was like five days for fun. That was with my brother. We were visiting a ski brand out there um, and filming some content. And then we had five days in Italy, which was awesome, um, as well as, as we went to Austria to visit some family. So while I was there, um, you know, I was convincing people. We had a crazy itinerary during the work trip portion. It was all really fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it was really jam-packed with the restaurants, the, the events, the sightseeing, all these things that we had to, you know, be on the shuttle, be with everybody to go to. Um, but I did manage to convince some people to go on some pretty epic runs, you know, short runs, nothing more than five kilometers, but just, you know, up hills to castles and seeing cool things. So that was really fun. That was really enjoyable. And then again, in Europe, I did the Michelob Ultra night run with my brother. That was again, a 5k run. So we didn't really get that much time to, you know, do a lot of training. Uh, I did some stuff in the hotel gym sometimes, but again, not that many long runs. So I really had to make up for it when I came home. And that was my worry with my feet issues and ramping up volume so high. So of course, when I got home, I jumped straight into a 26 kilometer run and that was rough. That was a really rough one. I got really bad foot pain, my calf, my ankle, my Achilles, everything cramped up. Uh, I had a, my water, I ran out of water uh, during that race. That was a really, or during that run. So that was a really tough experience. And I was a little bit worried after that. I, you know, I took almost like a week off of running, just recovering. And that made me a little bit not as confident going into the race, but I knew I still had to do another long run of like 33 kilometers before that. So I basically rested, recovered, you know, did what I could in the gym, lifting different things um, to keep moving. And then once I felt recovered enough, I did this 33 kilometer run. Now that was interesting. I ran all around the town of Chelsea uh, Chelsea, Quebec, and uh, there's a lot of hills. So I think in the 33 kilometers alone, there was probably more elevation gain than in the whole New York Marathon. So that was good training for some of those hills and bridges that New York had. But it was a rough run, just by myself, listening to podcasts. I had friends who tell me they drove past, they went somewhere, they came back, they saw me still running, you know, especially running the same place over and over again. Um, but we'll come back to that because during the marathon, I actually thought a lot about that run. You know, when I got to certain kilometer points or, or mile markers, I would think, okay, I just have to run around the town of Chelsea two more times. Or, you know, remember when I would run this distance to my other friend's house and back, that's all I have left. Or, I, okay, I have... 
you know, one mile left. Remember when I would do that mile uh, out and back, full out from my, my house up the road to this other person's house and back. So there was a lot of really cool moments where I was thinking back to all those training runs back here at home during the marathon. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else I wanted to share about the training piece. Overall, I just think, uh, oh yeah, no, there was. Yeah, so um, one of the biggest things about training um, that I realized, especially before, right before I left to New York City, and we're just about to get into the whole trip, the experience of the New York City Marathon, so hold tight, we're getting to the, the main part of the story, but what I learned was that I was more proud of training um, and the whole training experience, and I really... That really shifted my mindset in a way of being, you know, very results focused. Um, so, for example, if let's say someone reached out to me and said, hey, do you think you can run a marathon tomorrow? Let's going back with no training, right? Like, let's go back three months from now. I think I, I could. I think I could. You know, I would have no idea about the pacing. Those are all things I learned during training. I would no idea about the the fueling, um, a lot of the different things that went into learning how to run that that far, you know, the gear, all those types of things. But I think I could do it. I know I have the mentality to just push through a lot of things um, and, and go for it. And I have the sporting background to, you know, have some of the fitness ability to jump into a lot of different challenges. But I think that there wouldn't have been necessarily something to be that proud of for doing that. For me, what, you know, what I'm more proud of versus, you know, one day of short-term intensity was 12 weeks of long-term consistency. So showing up all those days that I did not want to run, you know, running while I was traveling through Europe with my brother, you know, pushing through some of those days um, where, you know, I just wanted to lift. I wanted to do the fun stuff of training that I enjoy and knowing I'm sacrificing some of those things that I enjoy um, more, let's say, than, than running longer distances to focus on this marathon and do this challenge properly. So that was one thing that I knew when I first went onto the trip was like, I'm already proud of all the work that I put in. Like, no matter what happens, if I make the finish line, what that time is when I cross, it is like having committed to that training. And I think that applies to a lot of things in life where it's like, sure, you can show up to the day, to the gym one day and do like five hours of training, but can you like actually do one hour every single day, you know, and show up day to day? That's what's going to make the biggest difference. Can you show up for, for what you want to do, your goals every single day um, versus just one day where you're super motivated and then fall off every time I record something outside there's birds squawking like crazy all right I'm losing my voice so we're gonna get into the New York marathon experience all right so Michelob basically had you know everything was accounted for I just had to worry about you know showing up and running I showed up Thursday and the marathon was on Sunday and I got to stay until Tuesday. So New York is one of my favorite cities. I had a friend who went to NYU and then worked at Deloitte um, in New York for a while. And so I would visit once or twice a year. Um, so I think this was like my eighth trip to New York. And actually when I was five or six, like I was senior kindergarten in grade one, I actually lived in New Jersey for two years. So random, I was like kind of an American for two years. Um, but, and then we moved back to Canada, of course. So I actually lived like 30 minutes outside of the city at that point. And uh, in those two years, I actually only went to New York city once, but that was the first time I'd ever went as a kid, you know, did a lot of all the touristy things, tour buses. And then when I went later in life, like in, throughout my twenties, I've been there eight, eight times. 
had my 21st birthday there. You know, I did more of the things like that my friend would want to do, like the local stuff. I would go to different gyms. I would eat lots of food. Pretty much all my trips were based around what food I wanted to go to. She'd always be like, oh, where do you want to go? Like this museum, this? I'd be like, yeah, sure. But like, I have a list of all the food spots I want to go to, the ice cream, the, the cookies, like this bakery, this pizza place. Um, and so all the trips were planned around that. And this trip was kind of no different. I arrived on the Thursday, had a 6 a.m. flight. So I got there quite early. It was direct to Newark. I took the air train into the city and the minute I got there I went to do I basically had a mission of finding the best bagel in New York City all the times I went there you know I've been to all these different places bagel places as well but I thought it would be fun to like film myself going around the city and trying to find bagels and just reviewing them now I forgot how much of a mission it is uh you know New York City obviously easy to get around with on foot or taking the metro but it's you know if you're going back and forth and back and forth obviously it's going to take a lot of time so the first place I went to I went basically straight from Penn Station I had like a 40 minute walk up to the hotel because the hotel was by Central Park um, and I was like oh, I just don't want to take my suitcase through the actual like metro so I'll just walk it and get a bagel on the way got the bagel it was pretty quick easy experience went to this park to eat it and some guy tried to steal my bag so it was like welcome to New York after all those times I've been I've actually never had that happen um, so yeah that was kind of crazy and that bagel was a great great bagel it was my first meal of the day from there I walked all the way up with all my suitcases to the hotel thankfully they had a room for me already even at like 10 a.m which was awesome it's pretty rare usually you have to wait till later and um yeah checked into the hotel left my stuff I kind of sat down and like rested for a bit because I had been up pretty early you know driving to the airport going through customs all that type of stuff um and then basically from there I planned out okay like I'm gonna go get a another bagel once I have the energy to do so uh you know I kind of took like a quick power nap and then I need to go pick up my marathon stuff so I went to one side of town the east side to go get uh, another bagel and then ripped across all the way to the other side of town, the whole west side of town, um, to go to the conference center and actually pick up my bib, go see my name on the big, you know, board where it has everyone, all the runners' names, um, go through the expo and all that kind of stuff. From there, I wanted to go to another bagel spot. So I ripped basically down to the lower east side. It was a bagel spot that used to be on the road that my friend used to live on. Um, she also used to live in Brooklyn, but this is one of the places that she, she lived. So I had been there before, been to this bagel spot and that was actually by far my, my favorite bagel. Um, and I had had the same bagel actually like years prior. It was cool looking on my phone and seeing I had like the exact same bagel um, a while before. And then I ripped up to another bagel spot. Unfortunately, it was closed. And by the time I got there, all the other bagel spots had closed because it was like 5 p.m. at that point. So ended up going back to the hotel, ordering a poke bowl for Uber Eats. I wanted to take myself out actually to a nice dinner, but my feet were like so in pain. Um, so yeah, ordered a poke bowl to my room, chilled. Then I did have to walk, uh, you know, like a mile to go pick up some running gels that I'd put on hold at a store and then came back to the hotel. So that gets me into my foot pain. Um, I don't know what happened, but the day before, I kind of hurt my knee a little bit in the gym. And thankfully that pain went away after a couple days. But my ankle and my big toe on my left foot, which is actually the foot that was giving me no problems throughout training. It was always my right foot, my right ankle. It was like 
really bad. Like every single step was painful. I was almost limping. I was pushing through pain. And it was basically that way until the day of the marathon. All of a sudden I showed up on game day and when I actually started the marathon, that whole pain went away. So that was kind of crazy, but I spent, you know, the whole time in New York City walking a ton on a really hurt foot. And I was like, I don't want to just sit in my hotel room, but I probably should. Should I be recovering? You know, what was going to happen? And that was actually a big concern for the marathon was thinking, could I do permanent damage? And, you know, would I be able to push through you know, four to five hours of running on this really painful foot where I'm going to feel it every single step. So I'm really glad that somehow resolved itself. Now my foot still, you know, it's a little bit hurting after the marathon, but it's actually not as bad as it was feeling before the marathon. Okay, so then the Friday, the next day, that was really fun. I got to meet up with one of my friends, Reagan. Um, she's playing hockey over in New Jersey, really close by. And we had become friends like through TikTok and social media. Um, and so it was really fun to spend the day hanging out. And we went shopping, did again, a ton of walking on that hurt foot. So then let's skip to Saturday. Saturday is the pre-run day. And we had a Michelob Ultra shakeout run with Brooks running. And so we hit that and I was really nervous going into because they scheduled like, I think it was like 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. I was thinking, oh my God, we're gonna run for two hours before the marathon. Like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I'm going into this new sport, just, you know, clueless. And what happened was it was like a two kilometer, maybe two and a half kilometer shakeout run at like, the pace I knew I would run the marathon. Like it was, it was not a fast pace. So I was, I was really happy with that because with my foot and all those things, I was like, this is the only walking running I'm doing. So we did that. We had uh, a breakfast. The breakfast was like bagels and stuff. I actually went for second breakfast afterwards because I was like, I want to eat like a, more stuff. Like I got French toast and um, French toast and eggs and bacon or no, I think I got sausage. You know, I just wanted like a really big breakfast because I knew if I could load up on protein that morning then probably the whole rest of the day, I'll be doing more carb loading and just things that are not going to take too, too long to digest. Um, I thought that after breakfast, I would be done uh, walking, but anyways, got convinced to go to like Rockefeller and do a lot more walking. And then eventually I was like, I'm ripping up Fifth Ave back to our hotel. Like I'm done with this. I need to, to take a nap and rest. So went back to the hotel, uh, took a nap, rested. Then I went to pick up all my Michelob Ultra gear. That was really awesome. You know, figuring out what I was gonna wear for the next day. Then I had to get dressed up and ready because we were going out to the Michelob Ultra pre-race dinner. And that was awesome. I got to meet Catherine Switzer, which is, she ran, I think in 1967, the Boston Marathon. She was the first woman to ever complete the Boston Marathon at a time where women were not really allowed. They were not accepted. Marathons were viewed as just for men. So she entered this marathon and even the race course director, or was it the director or the course official, tried to push her off the course. Now she gave an amazing speech. I'll try to share some of it here. And it was just kind of inspiring for before the marathon. Then I got to meet her, talk with her. And it was just cool. I went home and learned more about her story and you know posted about kind of her whole journey and how how now it's marks 50 years since the first woman or since the women's division has been introduced to the New York City Marathon. So um, there's obviously a lot more uh, amazing women and inspiring people who played a part in getting the women's division into these major marathons. But 
you know, she was part of that movement. She was someone who broke that barrier, became the first woman to finish Boston. Um, and then five years later, New York made a women's division. And now 50 years later, here we are. And that was also something that played into the part of me doing this run. That's something um, Michelob Ultra, they actually have a run fund. And I think for next year, they're having people you can apply. And if you want to run your first marathon and have it be the New York City Marathon, the biggest marathon in the world, uh, as a woman or non-binary person, you can apply and they're trying to fund to close the gap of the the amount of women and non-binary finishers of the New York Marathon. So I think that's really cool. So anyways, at dinner, I ate pasta. Um, and I think I was the only person who did not have a beer. I was like, what kind of sport is this? You know, I came from national team snowboarding, which again, snowboarding, it's kind of more lax than a lot of other sports, but I still I don't think many of us were drinking beers the night before. At least I was not. And then CrossFit definitely wasn't drinking beers the night before, uh, you know, a big competition. Um, so that was kind of really interesting to see. But I think, you know, everyone who's part of the Michelob Ultra team, Team Ultra for the race, they're all, you know, fun-loving, beer-drinking people. And, uh, yeah, I was just impressed. I was like, you know, I need every ounce of, like, I, I was like, my, my tolerance, like, you know, I enjoy, you know, drinking a Michelob Ultra, drinking a beer uh, every now and again for sure, you know, with friends, uh, chilling. But... The night before, you know, a race that I've never ran a marathon, I was like, mm, probably not, not going to partake. So I didn't do that, but I think I was the only person who didn't do that. Went to bed a little bit nervous. There was also that time change. So set my alarms. I think I set like three alarms. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to like get up, you know, get ready. Got up, I think at 4 a.m. Actually, I got up at 3.30 a.m., you know, thinking it was 4.30 when I needed to get up. And it was kind of cool checking my phone and being like, oh, it's only 3.30. I got to go back to sleep for an hour. Slept for another hour. Went to the breakfast um, grabbed you know an energy bar and stuff like that but I had kind of my own snacks all, all, also packed for the marathon um, one of the things is at the marathon everything you bring to the start line you have to leave it like you either carry it with you or it's it's gone like he, there's no way to get it to the finish line unless you like sign up for a specific thing where they can bring stuff which I did not so I had to kind of pack strategically of like only the things I would need like I didn't even bring my wallet so we got onto VIP shuttles at 5.30 a.m. That was really awesome. We got a police escort across um, the bridge that we would then run on all the way to Staten Island, got off. We had a VIP start tent with Michelob Ultra. So we had our own porta potties, our own food and breakfast, water, all those type of things, chairs, which was really awesome, you know, and shelter. So that was cool. So depending on the conditions, obviously it was nice weather, so it wouldn't have been so bad being outside, but we kind of were, were protected and sheltered. And if it was cold, they would have had heaters. So that was a really good experience. And then, yeah, just, I think, in the morning of, I was just nervous, you know, asking other people, like, should I start drinking my carb drink now? Should I, you know, eat my last bit of food? You know, when should I go to the bathroom? I think I went pee five times before the marathon. I was like, so nervous. Cause I was always wondering like, how do marathon runners pee? Like it's a long time to go without peeing, right? Like running, you know, for me, four to five hours seems like a long time. Anyhow, during the marathon, I'll tell you, your body just like shuts down like I didn't even think about peeing so and even after the marathon it took a while before I like broke the seal and went pee so so now let's get to the start line so we had a VIP start we started at the end of wave two so I think my official start time was like 9 51 or something like that but we actually let all of wave two go and we were running the top of the bridge because some people run like the under part of the bridge um and we actually let everyone go and then started like as a team like team Michelob Ultra obviously everyone then spread out and ran their own paces but we were able to basically have no one behind us 
us, no one around us, and like run that bridge kind of like ourselves, which was just a really cool experience. Um, another thing that was really cool is I made a playlist and I posted on my Instagram and asked anyone who was following me if they wanted to add a song or two. Some people added 30 and I had to like eliminate some songs because the playlist ended up being like 12 hours long. And um, thankfully I was not running for 12 hours straight, but um, I wanted to include everyone's songs. And that was something that was really cool. I had a really fun song that came on on the bridge that just like made me feel like just a culmination of all my effort just felt like really alive as like a human being um yeah I just felt like really good starting off the race chilling going at a good pace having fun taking some videos um listening to good music and throughout the whole marathon I was thinking back you know every time I was struggling or whatever thinking to us you know who took time to like wish me well to send me messages to follow my journey to watch my videos and to like add music to my playlist like that meant so much to me and it definitely really kept me motivated like every time I wanted to quit I would like be listening to the music and think you know these people are all watching my journey they're supporting me they you know you added a song to this like you you took the time and so like I'm gonna take the time to keep going keep pushing you know have that extra motivation so thank you if you were one of those people because it really meant a lot so yeah so now we're into the race we're having fun we get across the bridge we're feeling super good we get into the crowds we go through Brooklyn oh my gosh it was amazing I was like I was taking a lot of time you know weaving and high-fiving every kid that I saw um you know the signs and then especially with Team Michelob Ultra we had our names across our jerseys so people would chant your name that was a really cool experience you know also I knew people had messaged me who follow me who like live around the area or were going to be in town who were saying they're volunteering or they'll be there and they'll they'll be cheering so I try to like give a thumbs up to everyone who said my name and uh, that actually got really hard near the end when I was just in another world just absolutely not in a good place and I was just like trying to give a thumbs up and I'm like running so slow and I'm just like I'm just hoping like that thumbs up in the end basically just meant hey like yeah I'm still alive in here even though it doesn't look like it from the outside so anyways thank you if you're one of those people cheering as well on the sidelines if you're someone who went to watch the New York Marathon it means a lot to all the runners I know that's like the whole experience it's just the cheers and the crowd and running through people it was basically from the end of that last bridge you basically have, you know, the whole rest of the race is like people cheering as if you're at the finish line, the finish of an event, the finish of a race, but for the whole time. So that was just an insane experience. I had just my headphone in one ear. So I had like that music in the background and then, you know, all the cheers of the, the crowd and all the signs and reading all the signs. I saw a lot of amazing signs. I wish I could take a pictures, but of course I wasn't going to run back after I saw the sign to take a picture, but it was really cool. I would say that the first, you know, 33 kilometers of that marathon or 30 kilometers, they were at the pace I definitely thought I should easily be able to finish a marathon in that pace without, you know, feeling too rough. It was a pace I ran 33 kilometers uh, in my training run, and that run was definitely like a light, easy run. I by no means finished the 33 kilometers feeling like I couldn't do an extra nine kilometers. So it was definitely a shock to me when I hit the bridge. I think it was not quite at the 30 kilometer mark, but that's just because I know my pacing till then. But when I hit the bridge at the 20... I guess it was like the 15 mile marker, the Queensboro bridge, and I threw up. So that was an interesting experience because I basically drank too much water too fast. And it wasn't that like my stomach was aching from the heat and humidity. By the way, it was like 25 degrees Celsius and 90% humidity. So it was 
something my body was not acclimatized to because I had been used getting used to the cold, thinking that New York City would be cold because on average it's maybe like 12, 13 degrees Celsius usually, not so humid. So anyways, I got on that bridge, you know, I was feeling good. I actually passed some people that I knew and was like, hey, how's it going? They're like, oh, you're doing so well, you know, for your first marathon. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like cruising along, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the race is only just starting, right? I'm, I'm getting to halfway or just got to halfway. I'm only like, I was like, I was feeling perfect. Like my pacing was perfect. I knew that I wanted to run that first half as if, you know, it was just a warm up, and knowing that that last half obviously would get much harder. Like I was well aware of that. And I was like, I'm not making that mistake of going out too hot. But unfortunately I had this goal of like, I never wanted to slow down. So when I would go through the running or sorry, through the hydration stations, I just grab water and just chug it back. And I think what happened was in training, I always had like a camelback on and I would just drink slowly and you're not allowed, um, camel back at the uh, at the marathon and so when you're drinking from the tube you don't have like water like air right and so when I'm just drinking like this I got like an air bubble in my chest and I ended up yeah throwing up my running gel and then I spent literally the last half of the marathon just trying not to throw up so my heart rate actually dipped down it just got lower and lower so you know that it wasn't the heat or humidity or pushing too fast because otherwise my heart rate would have been you know climbing and creeping up um I think my heart rate was like 150 and my max heart rate is usually 210 is my max I obviously wouldn't have hoped to hit 210 in the marathon but yeah so then I was just getting slower and slower. So one, for the reason I was trying, I only breathe through my nose. I only did nasal breathing. Just, you know, I try to think of what I learned from the Huberman Lab podcast of double inhale through the nose, slow out through the mouth, just trying to calm that nausea. Again, my stomach had no issues. It was just like that air bubble in my chest. So if I breathe through my mouth, I'd really feel it and feel kind of like the, bur uh, not the burps, but like the uh, hiccups. And so, yeah, so I was just trying to do that. Then every time I thought about even trying to eat a gel, like I couldn't, I knew I was going to throw it up. I tried again later and the same thing happened. So I basically had a commit in my head of like, I'm running this last half of the marathon with absolutely no fuel. And obviously as my pace started getting slower and slower, I'm realizing I'm going to be having to run even more time than I thought with no fuel. And so of course my body started cramping. It started going downhill. I was drinking a lot of water and, and things like that from the hydration still, you know, trying to get some sugars and things in, but I couldn't eat anything. And my body was breaking down and I was seeing people getting, you know, who were done. Like they were with medical, they were getting carted off. They were were, you know, people were falling like flies because of the heat and humidity. And I was really worried as I became a little bit more delirious. Like I just could recognize that my body was getting to that point because I had had no fuel. And I was pretty nervous that that could have been me. And that was something that my parents said afterwards was they were kind of sitting at home, really nervous, knowing it's not that we're worried that she won't finish. So we worried that she could like kill herself in the process because they know that like, I, I just won't give up. I will keep going. And if I get to that place where like I would get carted off, like that would happen to me before I would just like walk off. Um, and so I'm really glad that, you know, didn't get to that point. I was very close. Um, every single step was a mission. And some of the things that kept me going in that point was breaking it down. I would just keep thinking, you know, another kilometer, another kilometer, maybe in a kilometer. I was sticking to that goal of never walking despite how slow my pace got. But I was like, just another kilometer, another kilometer, another kilometer. And it just felt so long. Another thing is my watch that I was wearing told me I got to like, 42.2 like a marathon when I still had like 10 kilometers to go so that was also really discouraging when it's like oh you should be there and it's like no you're not quite like I think when I finished it told me I'd ran 51 kilometers so the pacing and everything was all wrong on my watch that did not help either but that's when I really relied on like the music and the crowds and everything to really push me through as well as thinking you know 
at the start of the marathon, I was thinking how fun it was, how easy it was. It was feeling so easy. That I was like, I could do this all the time. Like I was in a mindset of like, I'll just come back and do this all the time. Um, but when it got hard, that's when I was like, this is what I want, right? Like, do I want to finish and like come to the end of the finish line and thinking this was easy. Like there was no challenge. No, I signed up for this knowing it would be a huge mental challenge. It would be a huge grind. And although it wasn't that grind of just thinking, you know, the normal grind where you hit a wall, you got to push through. It was, you know, the nausea, the not having any fuel, but that's what I want, right? I, you want to get tested with different things, I think, as an athlete. And so I was trying to remind myself of that. Like when you finish this, Nat, like you're going to think about how hard and everything you just pushed through, like what you're doing right now is some of the hardest experiences of your life. And only you know that and only you know what's what's going on right now. And so when you finish, like you're going to be so freaking proud that you you push through that and so that's that's how I felt um I crossed the finish line I flexed for the photo if you see the picture of me just before I flexed I was looking really rough rough shape I was just in a bad place um finished got my medal then I was supposed to walk through the corral you know meet up with people and stuff but it's like a long walk so I actually ended up I just felt so bad I was almost going to go to the medical tent because I was thinking if I haven't had fuel in this long and I still don't feel like eating um, I still have these hiccups. Maybe I'm going to need like IV, like, you know, getting intravenous fuel or something. But I saw people who are in much worse shape than me. So I thought, okay, like, no, I'm going to just like let them take care of these people. I'm just going to lay in the park for a bit. My whole body seized up as I knew it would. And then I basically limped my way after like half an hour of chilling down over and then to the after party i went to the michelob Ultra after party they had like an ice cream bar metal engraving they had all this food obviously all the drinks and i couldn't eat any of it i was so bummed out i sat there for about six hours just sat maybe not quite six hours but almost and i was just really bummed out because i was so excited to eat everything in sight after the marathon and i couldn't eat anything so that was definitely a bummer and um yeah i got really bad hiccups like hiccups that like felt like my ribs and my sternum were breaking like that happens to me sometimes and it was bad so yeah definitely struggled through that one thankfully though i had signed up for a massage that was at the michelob ultra post-race uh party um and a stretch out so those definitely helped with my recovery so definitely thank you for that took advantage of that even though I couldn't take advantage of the food and then we were walking home all of a sudden I like got hungry like I felt like not just my appetite like my appetite had came back but I couldn't eat anything I tried I tried to eat even a pizza pasta at the after party and I like just felt nauseous again I was just sitting there like literally for that whole time again still trying not to throw up breathing through my nose <laughs> trying to relax um but I got hungry and I was like okay I need like what can get me the most calories quickest so I stopped and got two pieces of pizza was able to wolf those down then I called my parents talked with them for a bit on FaceTime called my aunt talked with her for a bit on FaceTime and then basically went to bed and rehydrated and all that kind of good stuff and had a warm shower that felt really good next day walked walked a ton felt pretty sore definitely my ankles knees uh, feet those everything was pretty stiff um the back of my knee like where my hamstring inserts that was pretty rough on my right side because that cramped up during the race um but yeah walked around had a good time um went out that night then Tuesday I had a flight middle of the day you know got home got got picked up my dog you know saw my dad um my mom was at work when I picked up my dog so I didn't see her quite right away and um 
yeah, that's, that's pretty much what happened with my race experience. And I'm super grateful for Michelob Ultra for making this happen, that the having the VIP experience and everything that went on in New York and being taken care of and just getting to focus on running was absolutely incredible. It made my first marathon, you know, I think a memory that can never be topped. I will definitely never forget this experience. Yeah. And so I'm just really, really grateful and just really honored that I had the opportunity to do these things this in my life I was talking with my grandma yesterday and she was like for your age you've done so many things and I think as I go through them in my mind I'd think of them as like no big deal I'm like oh yeah I'm just gonna run a marathon I'm gonna go do this um yeah now I'm gonna do whatever and you know I'm trying to sit and like reflect on it a little bit more because you know in my mind I'm like oh when I'm like 80 years old you know when I'm my, my grandparents age I'm gonna think back and look back on these memories but I think it's important to look back and reflect on them now and so that's what I'm doing even just with recording this and yeah I, I definitely it's true I have done a lot and I'm really honored to be able to do that and I want to keep making great memories and doing crazy things and challenging myself and again having great stories when I'm 80 years old I'm sure I'll be still telling the story and talking about it and how crazy it was so yeah okay so now I've been getting a lot of messages of what's next what's next for me so, um, it's getting back to CrossFit competition. You know, that's been my goal all along since I hurt my shoulder. There was a point I never thought it would happen when I first heard it in 2019. I needed a mental break. I've talked a lot about that in different videos and different podcasts, but as I went through the recovery, I realized how much I miss competing, uh, how much potential I think I, I hope I still have, um, you know, I'm getting up there, but yeah, I, that's my goal is I want to get back to competition and show that I can after my shoulder. And, um, I still think I have it in me. So that's, what's going to happen. I'm going to, you know, have fun snowboarding this season as well. Just getting out in the mountain every week for fun with my brother and friends and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think definitely that, I think I still have that goal, that sub six mile and the 300 pound squat, uh, plus pound squat in the same day. So, um, that's going to be part of my training as well. Um, I'll definitely keep documenting, keep sharing, um, that journey. But right now, yeah, I'm focused on the CrossFit season and, you know, getting some strength back throughout the marathon. I definitely, I felt like it was hard to keep upper body muscle mass. You know, your body didn't, just doesn't want to keep it on, especially for, your body just doesn't want to keep it on when you're doing all that running volume. Um, lower body, I think, you know, right now, if I was to test my lifts, it's definitely lower than what it was before, but I think it'll come back quickly. I don't think I lost too much um, muscle in that aspect, but yeah, I'm going to be you know, working on those, those CrossFit weaknesses, getting back into, into CrossFit form competition shape. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that challenge. So thank you all for the support. Thank you for listening to this long-winded story and recap of my marathon journey. Thank you, Michelob Ultra, for making it happen in the first place. I'm excited to see the videos they put together as well, um, of the experience and, uh, looking forward to the next challenges and doing more crazy things like this. So yeah, definitely challenge those limit, limiting beliefs. You know, if you don't believe that you can run, if you're worried about a certain time, that was a, a thing for me too, you know, going into a new sport and knowing I would not be good at it. I would actually be below average. Um, that's really hard for me as a competitive person. So I got to challenge that limiting belief as well. You know, accepting that my, my time is definitely not the fastest. There are people who, you know, aren't, uh, high level athletes who can definitely beat my time in in the marathon for sure. So, um, yeah, that, that was a really good experience for me as well. Just mentally, you know, resetting that mindset a little bit and, uh, still super competitive as a person, but I'm just really proud of, you know, what it took for me to get to the start line and what it took for me to get to the finish line. So I'm actually getting out of this cold and going straight to my friend's house to have an ice bath. So maybe I need to warm up a little bit in between. So bye. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is to leave a review and share it with a friend. 
Truly leaving a written review, letting us know what you liked and want more of, and sharing the podcast so more people can benefit is the best gift you could possibly give us. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful for your support and I'll catch you on the next one.